When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And the last, like, week of Arizona athletics has been a hell of a month, Brett. <laughs> There's a lot going on, a lot that's happened. I think our last recording was, like, late last week. We talked about Brent Brennan being hired, and we're like, okay, see what he can do. And then since then, more players in the portal, more players announcing they're returning to Arizona. Arizona parts ways with its athletic director and just take a breath. Yeah. We even did multiple pods last week, Adam, and we still didn't keep up with the news. Oh, it's been coming <laughs> fast. And I, oh boy. And like and basketball happened too. men's basketball had a couple of wins. Women's basketball had a tough loss. And like, there's just so much going on where like, we're still talking football. That's where we're going to lead here because that seems to be the biggest happening right now. We'll get to Dave Hickey, his dismissal. We'll get to men's basketball and the basketball entirely. We're going to talk to Ari Washman, by the way, a little bit later from The Athletic and his take on where Arizona's at, especially in the wake of Jed Fish's departure. But, okay, let's try to recap. So just stop me if I miss anything. The big things that happened, Jonah Coleman announces he's going to Washington. Not a huge surprise. No Fafita, T-Mac, and a ton of other players, basically the safeties, uh, the guards, Wendell Moe, and Big Jonah announced they're coming back. A lot of players, Dorian Thomas, Kian Burnett coming back. A lot of players never entered the portal, so like they haven't left, so you don't have to make an announcement. But And then I think Takario Davis, is, his name popped up in the portal too. Ephesians Prizehawk is in the portal. <sighs> what else have I missed? Uh, Jordan Washington reaffirmed his commitment. Okay, that's DeMond, a good one. DeMond, DeMond Williams flipped to, to Washington. And uh, the 2025 quarterback. Dash Beer, uh, yeah. Yeah, he Washington. flipped to, to Washington. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think. There's, <laughs> we're going to miss it's, something. It's going to happen. It's We're sorry. Yeah, I, I apologize for the Twitter handle not staying on top of all of the news because I just literally cannot <laughs> it's, with, it's a, a with a job. And you look at it all, right? It's trying to look at it in totality. Individually, when a guy leaves or enters the pool, like, oh, no. A guy announces they're coming back. Oh, yeah. Obviously, the big ones and I, you know, were Nova Fida and T-Mac, right, on Saturday. And they came out during the UCLA game. It was the first media timeout, right, along with a good chunk of the roster basically saying, yeah, we're running this thing back. Like, we're not going here, which was awesome, I imagine, being in the arena at that time. Like, Arizona's playing UCLA in the biggest cheers of the day, probably to do with Arizona football. Like, this is the world we're living in right now. Um, but, like, that was comforting, right? Because the fi- you kind of figured as long as Nofa Fita stayed, 
then T-Mac would stay, or like both of them, were they were a package deal. So as long as they stayed, then a lot of other players would stay too because you know if you have your quarterback and your first-round pick receiver, you're going to be a pretty good team again next season. Yeah, and I, uh, I'm just remembering, I'm pretty sure A.J. Jones affirmed he was staying. Yeah, and a lot of these guys uh, never entered the portal, but it's still comforting when they announced that they're staying. Yeah, it's, you know, Saturday that, you know, coming back from beating UCLA, having that football announcement, that, that football announcement has to be a top 15 or 20 Arizona sports moment of all time, right? Well, I tweeted, like, 1-20-24 is the new, like, 12, like, 15-12 or something like that. From... Yeah, it's, you know, what a, what a cool moment. Um, and the fact that there were so many guys that were out there on the court with them, mm-hmm. um, you know, it kind of been been kind of dribbling out and leaking out that, you know, Noah and Noah Fafita and T Mac had decided to stay. And I think the bigger aspect of that, and it's the metaphor of the players that were out there with them, you know, if if Noah and T Mac leave, I think a lot more guys leave, and Brent Prentice's <laughs> job is a lot, lot, lot more bleak for at least the next year Mm -hmm. um and like you know t-mac let's be real he's here one more year because then he's gonna go be a draft pick i part of me is like maybe he'll stick around an extra year for no no he shouldn't he's gone after next season i would he i would hope he he should not because there's just a like as much as they're going to pay up on nil if you're a first day one day two pick yeah yeah you you Go, go, no, go no, make that, that was money, just like the, in the moment of like the, the what was happening Saturday with them all coming. It's like, oh well, obviously he's tied with Noah and wants what's best for Noah. Noah's probably not leaving after his junior season or what would be like his redshirt sophomore season. So maybe T Mac will stick around to be with his guy. Like maybe, but no, no, we can't expect that. One more year of T Mac, and that's awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm more, I'm more. The pessimist to me is more worried about T Mac going to the NFL and Noah Fafita doing his last year wherever. <laughs> that's not that, Arizona. That, that, that could happen too. But either way, like that was such, it was big news. It was exciting news. It was relieving news, you know, because it's like until it happens. And even cathartic. Then, it was cathartic. There you go. And like even then, like there's still what, like a week and a half. There's 30 days from when fish leaves where players could enter the portal. And then there's the spring portal. But I don't imagine that Nova Fida and T-Mac are going to get to the spring and then decide they're out. Right. As Brent Brennan builds his staff and as it starts to come together, it feels pretty good. Like we're doing a pretty good job as far as like bringing in guys who have recruiting qualifications chops they've coached nfl guys i know they've only announced like the strength and conditioning coach who came from san jose state but also had experience at stanford but just arizona football needed i mean brent brennan was good news getting him his press conference was solid you know nothing wrong with brent brennan but they needed more of the okay the coach may be fine but he needs players so having fafita and t-mec announce they're returning and more guys who've done that the interior offensive line right the secondary they don't have the corners both corners on the portal right now or the top two corners, but just the more players who come back, the better you feel about things. Because, I mean, two weeks ago, we were excited for football going into 2024. That's what's crazy, right? Arizona did not have a lot of guys into the portal. They were bringing back 18 starters, like Jed Fish was telling everybody who would listen. And it's like, wow, this team could really be something. And then for, you know, a t- seven to ten day stretch, we're like, oh, God, like, are they going to be good next season? Are they going to be average? Are they going to be bad? And we still don't know. <laughs> they have to make it to next season with the roster. But you just feel better about their chances of not having a huge backslide from the 10 wins they just put it together with who's coming back, even with a new coaching staff. Yeah, and, you know, I, I want to play a little alternative timeline game with you, Adam. Let's do it. Let's assume Jed Fish, you know, the, 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 the dominoes with 
uh, the departures starting with Nick Saban don't happen and Jed Fish comes back, do we even know that Arizona would retain the guys and the guys that left in the portal wouldn't have left in the portal if not now or in the spring when Ohio State needs another uh, a running back for Jonah Coleman? Right or we don't and granted, like the first transfer portal window closed, I think before Arizona's bowl game, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why a lot of them didn't leave because like they had a bowl game to play. So maybe, maybe, but it's a different and, window in the spring than it is in this yeah. time around this time. And so I, I guess what I'm really saying is, the if you had lost a handful of starters and contributors to the portal and Jetfish was back, you'd be like, oh man, that sucks. But it'd be a different vibe than the way it it played out with Chet Fish departing in the broad assumption that he was trying to poach yes. half the roster. That would right. feel different. That would feel different than if it wasn't the coach that you were supporting for three seasons apparently trying to decimate your roster. If they just left for a bigger NIL or a bigger opportunity, I mean, I, even if they're leaving to go play for Jed Fish, I have no problem with players doing what's best for them. But it mm-hmm. would feel different if it was they weren't leaving – to follow the coach who had built your program up if they were to try a different opportunity. That would have felt different. Yeah, it's... But the I impact guess, would still be about the same in terms of the roster. Yeah, and I think all of this is to say also in the in the age of the transfer portal and NIL, you know, it was going to be hard for Arizona to maintain this. And if you go into next season only losing a handful, you know, five to ten guys to the portal, even including starters and contributors. You know, there wasn't that many guys that graduated off this roster. So Arizona would have it's still as of now going in with less turnover than almost any roster in football. That's true. Right? For the last couple of years, Arizona's ability to keep the roster together was pretty unique with the way college football goes when you're a program like Arizona who had been getting better, but it's not like Arizona has the biggest NIL. Maybe it's looking better nowadays, but it's not the biggest NIL. And up until last season they weren't a winning program. And the fact they were able to keep a lot of these guys, and maybe it's because the NIL offers for some of them weren't there. Like T-Mac obviously could have gone anywhere when he was recruited as a freshman and whenever, but Noah Fafita was not a big name going into last season. You know, Ephesians Prysock hadn't really done much. Dicario Davis hadn't done much. Jonah Coleman had shown flashes but hadn't been the guy. So their opportunities change. When you win 10 games and you produce like they did, yes, more eyes are on you. Some more opportunities exist. So it's, it's entirely possible some of these guys would have gone anyway. But it's just, man, like, emotions have been all over the place for Arizona fans. Like, we're doing this podcast, and we're Arizona fans. We're alums and all that. But it's been exhausting, like, trying to keep up with it and, like, mentally. And you can always come back to the players need to do what's best for them. But as fans, you're like, okay, but I hope what's best for them is also what's best for the Arizona football program because the trajectory was right. looking so good. They were moving in. You knew, like, next year was the big year as the 2022 class, the Servite guys enter their junior seasons. You knew next year was the big year. And I think what probably, and I can't speak for every Arizona fan, I certainly can't speak for you, but the biggest concern for me was, like, wow, I, I wanted to see next season. I wanted to see that group have a chance to make all the talk about they win the Big 12 and be a playoff, you know, maybe make the cultural playoff. Like, I wanted to see that happen. I wanted to see them get that shot. And the fear a week ago was that they wouldn't have that chance. Well, now I'm feeling a little bit different. The pendulum's swinging back the other way. I'm feeling a little bit better about things. Like, hey, this isn't a bad football team. Yeah, and one of the things with all of the chaos, we haven't even talked about Adam. You know, Brent, Brennan was named, but his coaching staff is not fully filled out. Uh even even in the unofficial guys that were you know happened to be at the basketball game Saturday, and it's an extra hard thing to recruit and retain talent without position coaches or where there's question marks there, uh, and so it speaks well for Brent Brennan and the program for where it 
is versus where it could have been. Now things are always subject to change, mm -hmm. but also, you know, because of the situation with the portal being closed for most, you know, schools, except for, oh, I don't know, a school that also just lost their coach, San Jose State. You see some of those guys going into the portal. I don't know if those guys are going to go to Arizona or not, but there's not new guys entering the portal. And it's going to be a real question. Of, you know, we already had questions of what the roster would look like after the spring anyway. And it's it's hard to know or it's hard to have any certainty with where you feel good about where the roster is as of today, as best as it could be given the situation. Now there's still room for it to get hurt on, you know, on the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. But if they're able to add some of the guys that are rumored to be interested in Arizona or entering the portal, that would be fill some of the holes in this roster. You know, you're, you're still in a pretty good spot. Yeah. You're not starting from zero. And that's a nice thing for Brent Brand. That's where, you know, we mentioned without the position coach, it's hard to recruit. He must have done a really good job of selling players on his vision for them. And I get it, like the new NIL, Humberto Lopez, like his his message to Jed Fish, like what he's trying to do when it comes to NIL and everything. I'm sure that's part of it. But a lot of these players, they're not staying for NIL. Now, would they have stayed if there was zero thing, zero coming to them for the NIL? Probably not. But like Noah Fafita is not staying in Tucson because of the NIL opportunities. You know, T-Mac's not staying at U of A because of what he can make in NIL at U of A, right? Like, these guys could have made probably more elsewhere. So part of why they're staying is their love of the university and their belief in what Brent Brandon is trying to sell them. Same thing why they allowed him committed to Jed Fish a couple of years ago. They believed in what he was offering and what he could do for them going forward as people, as men, and as football players. So that Brand's able to do that without having his staff fully formed in such a short amount of time. Now, again, all these players, like, they don't, just because they're not on the portal today doesn't mean they won't enter the portal tomorrow. They have 30 days from the time Jed Fish left to do that. And then, of course, the spring window after they give this new coaching staff a chance. But the early goings, it's hard to be upset about what Brennan and his, whatever staff or semblance of an operation they have going on has accomplished. Because it could have been a mass exodus. You see that often. I think Washington had that when DeBoer left. A lot of players mm -hmm. left. Now, some are starting to trickle back in. But I think, Brett, to your point, too, as of this moment, there's only so many roster spots available elsewhere. Like, Washington can poach a lot of guys because they've had a lot of guys leave. And they had a lot of guys just graduate, go to the NFL, and whatever. If you're Arizona, whoever leaves right now, you do the best you can to replace them. Maybe San Jose State transfers. There's some pretty decent players in the portal. Maybe if the Michigan job opens up, which it sounds like Harbaugh might be leaving for the NFL. Maybe there's some transfers there. There's more Washington transfers, Alabama transfers. I'm not saying Arizona's getting those guys, but between whoever coaches leave and that opens up and then the spring portal, Arizona will have an opportunity to fill in the roster. And as long as they're not trying to build a roster in April in the <laughs> next you know, few weeks, they're just trying to supplement what they have, that's a great spot to be. And that's what we figured they would be, coaching change or not. Yeah, and, and you know, again, we we said we don't know because it can always change in the spring. And I want to I want to ask play a little game with you, Adam. Another game. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, who from Arizona's roster has the highest likelihood of doing the doing the full Majon, which is to enter the portal, come back, enter, <laughs> come back, and then enter and leave again? Oh, I don't want to put that on anyone. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's really. I think that would come down to someone who entered the portal and came back, and they go through spring practice and just they don't buy into what the coaches are doing. They don't mm -hmm. like the plan for them, you know. I know Speedy Luke came back and said he's going to return, and I like that idea. But maybe he 
the role. They pick up a couple, another couple of running backs. Jordan Washington, you know, remain committed. They have what Johnson from last year's recruiting class, and all of a sudden, Speedy Luke is fourth on the depth chart, and he's like, you know what? I'll go somewhere. So I'm not saying Speedy's leaving. I'm just saying someone like that is what it would have to be. A player who just, they go through this next few months and decide, you know what? Like, I don't think there's a role for me here, or I don't like the way they plan on using me. Because everyone who stays right now is bought into what they're going to do, but that could change over the next few months. Well, and to use the Speedy Luke point, if he's the fourth string running back on this roster, I would argue that things have gone very well for Brett. Right, but that's a player who, and he never entered the portal, so he's not a leave, back, leave, back, leave. But as someone who is with the roster right now, with the team right now, who could ultimately leave in a few months, someone like that, not him. I'm not saying him. He's just the first guy that came to mind. But it would be a player like that who's just like they don't like the role. They don't see the path to playing time. Why a lot of guys leave? Why Jacob Kangaika transferred when he did? Because he just didn't see a path to playing time with Arizona, which, I mean, now it would be different. But, you know, like that's the type of player who's probably going to leave in April. So he just doesn't jive with the coaching staff or just doesn't see a path to playing time. Yeah, which that reminds me, Adam, another player motion thing we forgot to mention. Tia Savea entered the portal and committed to Texas. So that's another Johnny one. That, Nansen. All right. That's another one we forgot about. Oh, and also, you know, we hired Dwayne Aquina as defensive coordinator. <laughs> and there's like four other coaches that have been hired. How many are we officially. doing this week? <laughs> the answer is always not enough, Adam. <laughs> like, I don't think we could do two pods a week. We got families. Like, I don't have time to do it. Remember, remember, remember the days of COVID and we had to scrounge to find content, Adam? <laughs> yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> Like it's basketball season, Pac-12 play, conference plays going on. Arizona just swept the LA schools at home, and we're leading with football with like the first twenty-something minutes of the show because just football has been ridiculous. <laughs> We've led with football, and guess what, guys? We're not talking basketball in the interview with our guest this week either. <laughs> no, we're not. but like it's you know, kind of thinking about it, like where Arizona's at in this position. I guess we haven't gone through this before in terms of a coach leaving and then the portal just being a possibility. Like when Kevin Sumlin was fired and they hired fish players, entered the portal and came back. And I don't remember if NIL was a thing back then, or if it's like fairly new, like the year after that or something, but either way, the portal wasn't like, even now the portal's different because guys can do multiple transfers and not have to sit mm-hmm. out like that changed over the last month and a half, two months. But unlike the 2020 team or going into 2021, this year's roster has players who are in demand. And they had a coach who was in demand, and they have a roster full of guys who are in demand at other schools who could transfer and find starting roles. Like, they're not all, and I'm not trying to trash Jacob Kangaika, but guys looking for a bigger opportunity, which, totally fair, do that. There are guys who would be starting at Arizona who could go start at Alabama. You know, there was the story I think 247 Sports had about the Fafita and T-Mac coming back. They're like, I think it was Les Fafita, Noah's dad. It was like, yeah, like, everything's watching. You know, like, the... Alabama was the other choice that they were deciding between, which part of me is like, wow, Arizona beat out Alabama. And the other part of me is like, they weren't in the portal. How would they know that Alabama has interest? Hmm. But regardless, <laughs> like Arizona has players who are like that, who could go start at Alabama, who could go start at pretty much any program. You know, Ephesians Prysock, who wouldn't want a corner with that skill set and size? Dakario Davis, same thing. Jonah Coleman, like who wouldn't want these guys? Big Jonah could have gone somewhere. Wendell Moe could have gone somewhere, right? A lot of these guys could go play somewhere else and start at bigger programs. That's not something Arizona is used to in this transfer portal era. 
So this might be something that you want to get used to, kind of like you want your coach to be poached because that means they did a good job. Like this will probably be, a, if everything goes right, this is going to be a regular offseason thing about worrying about guys leaving because they're good enough to do so. Well, and this is where just the, the unlimited transfer, immediate transfer, it's not like, you know, grad transfers used to be the, the out for some guys, right? Um, with the <laughs> with the way modern college football is, it's it's hard to maintain uh and and you know i think we talked about in the past one talent fills a vacuum right and nil budgets get spent so a guy like kangaika can go get a, a, a decent reserve here can go get paid more and more snaps with a bigger role at a lesser program like asu nudge nudge oh, um, and, but now. all but and and if there's the, the high-end guys there you know there's there's a little it's until it's Really figure out how to regulate it. It's going to exacerbate the pecking order to some extent, but also I think it really just separates it into two tiers and not like you know it's it's going to bring more parity. I think because the talent will find the way to in tier snaps two even, it will. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Yeah, the, but the delta between tier one and tier two may never be bigger. Uh, but then and it's, it's only going to get bigger. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's it, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna keep getting bigger, and then it's going to be a question of. Is you know at the end of the day, is it going to be for at least the next year or two? Is it going to be talent over everything, or is there something of players that know each other and a system and and you know be the tr- the kind of like how basketball works with guys who have been playing together for two three seasons. They get in the tournament, they play better, even if they're not four or five star recruits. Yeah, Can or that even translate at- to football where the continuity makes a big difference on the field. Or look at look at the, even in the NBA, super. How often do super teams actually work? Yeah, that's true. Like everybody tries to build a super team, and unless it fits together in the right way and they hold hold it together, it tends to struggle. Look at the Suns. And even in professional NBA sports, when there's a player who was kind of an unsung guy comes in, steps into a huge role, and all of a sudden they're going to get paid in a salary cap era, they often leave. Like that's kind mm-hmm. of what's happening. You know what can happen here, and I imagine. It'll get reg. I don't know if it's going to be regulated how you do that because you want players to have the freedom to go make their money, and they should have the freedom to transfer to other schools where they can make their money or find their better role. But I think there's a lot of people as this, you know, it's a few years into this, as people are like, okay, this is not working for us. This is not working for the sport. I don't know what the answer is to try to calm it down just a little bit. You know, I think Arizona, Jed Fish did a great job keeping his team together for two seasons. Just the team that he had that got to last season, right? His first full recruiting class. Like he keep it, kept it together for two seasons. I mean, his third year, kept a lot of guys even there. Like, you know, Michael Wiley's stuck around, for example, someone who was there for a long time. Like, that's impressive. And it's a part of the reason why Arizona was as good as they were last season. Because that group knew, they knew their system, they knew their coaches, and they knew each other. Like, is that, that's the model for winning. Is it a model that you can continue with in today's landscape? Like, we'll find out. You know, but it's not Arizona's not the only team that has to deal with that. They're not the only program that has to deal with that and figure things out. Like we praise Jed Fish for his management of the portal of NIL, and I think he did a really good job with all of that to get Arizona where they were. And maybe part of the reason why he left though is because now they're at a level where it's going to be harder to keep that together. Because once yeah. your team shows it's good, once your players show they are NFL talents and could start everywhere else, it's harder to keep those guys around. Whereas if you go to Washington, you have the NIL, you can pay a little bit more prestige. It's maybe a little bit less difficult to keep them around. Like he probably saw that writing on the wall. And that's what Arizona is going to have to manage and you know, deal with the consequences of getting better. And one of the consequences is everybody wants your guys. Well, and I, I think I saw it reported that 
when Saban retired, a lot of guys revealed that they were not getting their at Alabama, their NIL expectations met and they were sticking around for Saban, which if Alabama doesn't have enough money to, to afford Alabama's yeah. roster, you know, look, look what happened to A&M when they just tried to buy the talent. And if it doesn't, if it's not the right talent with the right leadership and the right stability, it it's, you know, it still doesn't work. It's, it's, it's going to be a little chaotic. I do think, I mean, I think the answer is it's going to have to get regulated in some way. I think players are just going to become employees with certain kind of stipend salary things that are capped and, and there's guidance around NIL because otherwise it's just straight up, you know, you have to make it true NIL, not just like, I'm going to pay you $6 million to attend this one fundraiser and that's what I call NIL. When people always talk about even NIL, most players aren't making the big money. Absolutely not. And that's what we that's what people tend to forget. Like, yes, most players like everybody should get something. And every player gets some kickbacks from the school, right? There's different like gear that they get and scholarships and all that. They're not getting nothing, but most players aren't getting five hundred thousand dollars to play football that year. Like some players no. are somewhere, sure. Like we've seen the numbers that get talked about. None of it's I think of public knowledge. But like you have ideas. But that's not most players. There's a lot of guys on a football team in a football program, and most of them are not. It's kind of like those old commercials are like, you know, so many college athletes and only like this many are going to play professional sports. There's only so many college athletes and only this many who are making huge money for doing it. So if you're Arizona, provide a little bit, like something. But otherwise, after that, I think Jed Fish had it right when he said, like, we're about, but he's like, we're about NFL, not NIL. But you provide for the experience, the chance to win, and development. If you can keep doing that at Arizona, then you'll manage, I think. You're not going to compete for football championships probably, but you're going to be a pretty good program, a solid program still like for the future. Yeah. Well, and that's I keep coming back to I think the right it's you you stay in the lane that works for you as an Arizona and that's like, you're not going to get all the five-star guys, probably not even that many four-star guys, but if you get the right developmental guys that are, you turn into fringe NFL guys, 150K guaranteed, you know, like I keep going back to Jacob Cowing as a perfect example of this. He's probably an NFL guy, yeah, but get like, drafted. you know, but he's, it wasn't, he's not a sure thing in the NFL. And, you know, if he can get, if he can help his stock and make a decent NIL in one more year at Arizona or... You know, Jordan Morgan, I think, only helped his case by coming back for another year and probably got paid pretty handsomely this year after his... He was his, coming his off an injury. injury. If he never tears his knee, he's probably gone after last season. Yeah, but, in, you know, there's... it. It's it's just... It's turning college football into more like college basketball, right? Where, like, there's a different kind of decision of what more do you have to prove in the college level, right? And that's where some guys leave early because, like, well, I can go play overseas and make... 400k a year i might not make it in the nba but what more is one more year in college going to do and i think that nil is going to impact that in basketball as well right um it's gonna sort itself out and i think we're seeing a little bit of the uh the pendulum swinging back where people were pro making promises that they couldn't keep uh at probably almost every school uh and it's the market, the, the free market is going to figure it out, but the you know the challenge is also the biggest money is going to find the ways to exploit a fully free market unless you regulate it, just like anything. Yeah. So, to summarize, some big guys staying, some other big guys going, some other guys still in limbo, but Arizona football moves forward. 
Brett, let's take a break, and we come back. We'll see what other fresh hell awaits Arizona football. No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> it's a podcast. This isn't live, so we can at least you know keep it somewhat contained tonight. But we come back. We're going to talk to Ari Wasserman from The Athletic, get his take on what's going on with Arizona football and where the Wildcats program stands in the grand scheme of the college football universe. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. We are joined by Ari Wasserman of The Athletic. He covers recruiting. He's a U of A guy, an Arizona alum. So he kind of, you know, even though Arizona's not the biggest program out there, I know he keeps an eye on the Wildcats. Ari, welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Of course, we're happy to have you because obviously you have a different perspective of everything that's happened with Arizona because you know the national storylines, right? Like we're focused on Arizona in a vacuum. You see Arizona and what's transpired with Jed Fish leaving, the transfer portal and all that within the context of just a larger college football universe. But can you give us like your thoughts of like the last, say, week and a half of Arizona football from the time Jed Fish was rumored to go to Washington to Jed Fish goes to Washington to Brent Brennan gets hired to the portal takes and doesn't take some key guys. And here Arizona is about a week and a half since Jetfish left. And I guess things aren't terrible. Yeah. Um, it's funny. It's got to be probably the most action packed 10 days of Arizona football in the last 20 years. Um, for me anyway, I uh, am a national reporter, so I am constantly, you know, working on stuff and, you know, the Saban stuff kind of kicking this off is kind of a funny thing because, the biggest possible story in college football is the greatest coach of all time suddenly retiring after the season. And that is what started this whole thing. Cause if he didn't retire, then Jed fish is at Arizona. They, everything's intact and you know, they're getting ready for the big 12 and maybe heading into the off season as big 12 favorites. So, you know, when I saw that Kalen DeBoer quickly got hired at Alabama, I thought, well, Fish is probably going to be a candidate for this. Um, and I know that, you know, he was rumored to other places like A&M and things like that. But I thought, you know, for a program that's just, you know, playing in the national title game and making a move to the Big Ten, um, I, that would be a very attractive place for him, especially considering the fact that the financial situation in Arizona, which is a little bit over my head still, um, probably isn't conducive to what Washington would be prepared to offer him based on the television money they're about to take a dive into. Um, but when that happened, cause that happened quickly too, I am in a group chat with a bunch of friends that I've made lifelong friends that went to U of A with me. And I saw the emotion of that, you know, and I don't really, you know, sometimes my head's up in the clouds because you're so busy writing and podcasting that you don't really get to interact on a fan level very often. And I just felt bad for the dudes. You know what I mean? Like I, I felt bad that Arizona was building something. And we had talked about it on this show two years ago where this was headed based on the talent he was accumulating and it was finally manifesting and then boom. So when, when, when Jed took the job and left to Washington, my number one thought was, well, there goes their best players too. Like they're all going to go with them. Why wouldn't they? They have been steadfastly loyal to him, it seems. Um, and they could have gone in the portal after the season before Jed fish left 
and probably gotten some pretty big time offers. I mean, for all we know, Noah Fafita could be the starting quarterback at Ohio State if he entered the portal in December. Like, it's not like they didn't, they wouldn't have or didn't have options, especially T Mac, because he's, in my opinion, going to be a first round pick one day. Um, so that is kind of the whirlwind here of like coach leaving in the middle of a build to thinking the players are going to leave to the emotional return or the announcement of the return that they would come back at the basketball game, which has been a, a pretty hectic. 10 days, but when it's all said and done, I guess things could have certainly been worse for Arizona and their build. Yeah, I feel like, Artie, you have a unique perspective as an Arizona alum in that kind of group text, but also the national perspective. Right. You know, and I, I think it's a hard thing for, you know, most people, it's impossible to focus on all even Power 5 teams with any level of granularity. You know, what is your perspective on the Arizona situation and program at a national level and how much of their disconnect between that and what the, you know, the local Tucson lifelong Arizona fan is on the whole ordeal from Jed Fish's departure, the mess that that created and through the Brennan hire and the guys coming back so far. You know, I'll be honest with you guys, like Arizona used to be a non-story nationally but they got really good players. And when you get really good players, it's not a non-story. Like the Arizona story is a national story. I spoke about it quite a bit on our podcast. I've written about it multiple times. There seems to be an interest in this. And that's kind of what happens when you're a program that has players that people want to watch. And it's funny because two years ago, as these guys were coming in before they ever played, you know, we had a long discussion on the show about where the, the program was headed when you have potential first round draft picks coming in or, or top 50 players that turn into those. And now we're going into year three with some of these guys and they're still on the team, which in this day and age is, is a victory. Um, especially considering everything that went wrong um, with the Jed fish situation there. That said, I do follow a lot of Arizona media members just because of people I've known. I think Adam and I used to both work at the same hat store in the mall uh, back in the day. I think he was before me. Like we, we, the Arizona people know each that other. That sounds right, actually, but I don't remember. Did you work at Hat Club at Paradise Valley Mall? I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I replaced you when you left. Okay. Um, <laughs> when we, we were kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I broke sales records, and I was really good at getting people to get their hats sprayed. Um, <laughs> I thought I was the best at that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I crushed you, but I hate to tell you. Oh well. But, um. There seems to be this sentiment of like resentment towards Jed Fish, and it's coming from media members I see, like of he's a liar or screw that guy or, you know, he never had our best interests at heart and stuff. And it's like that stuff kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit because it's like when you're employed by Arizona, it is your job to be a steward of Arizona. It is your job to promote the brand, to say you're loyal, to keep the players intact. But like, I can never be upset with somebody for leaving for double the salary in a more stable financial situation in a larger conference. So like, I don't, I, I think what happened was, you know, he thought that he was already past the point where there would be an opportunity that he would want to take and he leaned into it. And when the Washington opportunity came up, it was obviously un, nobody saw that coming because nobody knew that Nick Saban was going to retire, which caused this chain reaction of movement. So, like, the anger towards him is kind of strange to me. And I understand people are always hurt when, you know, one of your own seems to. But he's a coach with a family who uh, who wants to get a better job, the same way that you and I would leave our jobs if we got double the salary. Um, But it still doesn't mean that it doesn't stink. That's the thing. Like, Arizona is a very 
tough place to build something long-term. They've had their blips with Rich Rod. They had their blips when I was in school with Mike Stoops. Uh, they had a really big blip last year and, and how we're one or two results away from potentially playing for a Pac-12 championship. So I, on one hand, can't stand the screw Jed Fish sentiment, but on the other hand, understand why it's a crushing blow when you feel like all the foundation of the things that were built the last two years are coming to a, to the end. So the hope for Arizona fans, if they're listening here, would be you kept your two best players. I know 10 or 11 people went into the portal. I know they're running back one of the portal starting offensive linemen, but the two jewels of your team are back. Um, and you go into next year and should have a very good team. You have a coach that has Arizona ties that seems to understand it. The hope here is that Arizona will move forward and continue to build. And, you know, one thing that I, I, I wrote a little bit, and I think I should have written a little bit more is it's the administration's job to replace a coach. Coaches are going to leave, and if Arizona wins 10 or 11 games next year, Brennan might leave. But if your administration is competent and continues to hire the right type of person to help build, then you can still systematically overcome coaching turnover. So I do think that there's hope still. If Noah Fafita and T-Mac would have gone to Seattle, that would have really stunk, but they kept them. They have a coach that seems to get it, and you just move forward. And hopefully they can replace some of those guys in the spring portal window if they lose them and, um, you know, keep trying to get really good players to come play for your school. You know, I think I get what you're coming from, too. And the idea of, like, the anger towards Fish, I don't necessarily buy that because, yeah, I would have left, too. I understood why he left. But I think it probably came from this fear that, okay, Jet Fish is gone. Fine. Arizona can replace him. But what happens when he takes all those players, right? Because he was right. building something. There was this thought that, hey, Arizona's going to compete for a playoff spot next season. And Fish Probably would have made it. Yeah. And Fish left before that could come to fruition. If he would have left a year from now, I think no one would have cared. But if it turns out where he didn't take too many players, you lost Jonah, you maybe lose three or four starters, you know, maybe five guys, which is for Arizona, that's a huge win if that's all that you lose. Yes. Especially because you keep Fafita, you keep T-Mac, and some of the other guys. If they go into next season, they win nine, ten games. Maybe they compete for a playoff spot. I imagine people won't look at Fish too much worse anymore. Be like, okay, he left for a better situation, but he didn't tear down Arizona on the way out. That was the fear, and I know you wrote about that too about how yeah. it could happen. If it doesn't happen, it still I kind am, of did, right? A little he took bit, a lot yeah. Of the staff, yeah. Which yeah. is, it's wild how it could. It seems like it hasn't been great, but it could have been a lot worse on the ground. There's still the spring transfer portal window. There's still what two weeks left in this window from Fish leaving, so things could change. But it seems like if Brent Brennan can come in and have a pretty good roster and they win enough games, then the animosity towards Fish will be lessened, just because it's like okay, Arizona is still good. Like what he built sustained even through his departure. So when he says in his statement, you know, he wanted to leave Arizona better than it was when he got there, it's actually true. Like that seems like what the, that should be the hope. And I'm wondering the thoughts of Brent Brennan replacing Jed Fish. Like Jed Fish, when he was hired, was like Jed Fish. So it wasn't like he was this hot shot coach. Brent Brennan is a bit of a name. Like he's been around for a while with San Jose State. Maybe a solid coach, not only special, but solid. What was the reaction to him getting the job in terms of, was he a guy who could take what Jed Fish built or what Jed Fish left behind anyway, and keep pushing it forward. Yeah, I, I think that when you have good players, it makes that task a lot easier. So if they don't have to hire Vince Lombardi to come in there and drop some plays that no one's ever seen before. Um, they have the best wide receiver quarterback combo in the Big 12, right? I mean, I, I can't think of a better one off the top of my head. And I might be mistaken, and somebody from TCU is going to scream at me. But like that is off the top of my head, 
that is that the case. So, you know, my whole thing with Brennan is I, I don't look at his hiring as, well, how many games are they going to win next year? Because I think they're going to win a lot of games next year. My thing is, is will he get it from the start? Because how long into Jed Fish's tenure did we really know that this man understands what it takes? Right. Or how to do it or how to build. You know it based on temperament. You know it based on moves made in the spring, how they're recruiting, who they're recruiting, the things that are being said. Like you, you, you can spot it very easily through actions, whether or not you got the right guy. So I think so far that he's passed that test. Now we have to continue to monitor and see, like, you know, I thought the Gronkowski at the spring game thing was great. I thought bringing back, you know, legendary players from the Desert Swarm era to help, you know, win uh, or remind people what it feels like to win down there and recruiting players that only came from winning rosters, like all those things made a lot of sense. So my hope for Arizona is that during the interview process with Brennan, that those things were mirrored, understood, and promised that they were going to continue. Because it's not like Jed Fish did something that no one else could duplicate. Um, He just actually approached the job with passion um, fire and understanding that, you know, knew how to talk the language, you know, and that's not something that you can really teach that well. So from that standpoint, like I'm still on alert for that. I don't think that what Brennan does in year one is going to tell the story of whether or not Arizona is going to be healthy or, or continue this build long-term. I think it's going to be through the actions that of, of recruiting, how they do in the portal, um, how they're able to, make Arizona marketable in a new conference that's no longer viewed as a power five, um, like it or not, like it's, it's going to be a step below the big 10 on the SEC. And this could be one of the most fun conferences in America. I mean, you, you have a team now that is situated to, to win the conference in year one, uh, of this new era. And that to me is an exciting proposition. So I want to take a, a minute there to talk about the column that I wrote directly after, um, the, fish news because I do truly feel bad for Arizona fans. I've started as a journalist for the Arizona daily wildcat covering the football team. I never even covered the basketball team because I love football and there is a, it's not the biggest fan base in the world, but there is a large subsect of passionate bought in fans that just want a consistent winner. And I felt awfully for them. So I thought in the meantime, before the collective bargaining and employment, eventually happens, which I hope it does. And these kids start getting paid directly from the television revenue that's coming in that there could be a rule change that we could make that could stop Jed fish um, or stop, you know, Lincoln Riley or coaches who leave a school from taking their best players with them. And I suggested that players should not be able to transfer with to the school that their coach left for. And my heart was in the right place because I was trying to protect Arizona and places like Arizona who were in this situation. And I think it was a misguided attempt because the players play, pay the consequence in that scenario. The coach can leave and double his salary and make 7 million bucks, but the kid can't go play for him. That's tough. But I think that like there, there is so much change in the sport right now between the transfer portal, the NIL situation and you know, being able to transfer with impunity, like that there is no connection to the rosters anymore. So I, I, I don't know what the answer is until we start to get into that employment situation, which I hope will be sooner rather than later to bring back some stability to the sport. But I, I bring all that back to, because the Brennan situation is, 
what a hell of a way to get a few wins right out of the gate there to, to convince those two players one way or the other. I'm sure Arizona did a very good job with NIL and local businesses to make sure those kids are financially taken care of. Um, but that to me is a very good start. And, you know, he could have come in with the whole place decimated and they could have won four games next year to be like, oh, here we go again. But now they go in with some excitement. They lost some key pieces. The good news is they have an opportunity to replace some of those pieces. Um, and they can put a really good football team on the field next year and sustain that success in order to make them a marketable place for kids to come to. Yeah, Ari, you, you, you kind of went to where I was wanting to ask a follow-up question to kind of stitch this all together. And I was going to refer to your column. Yeah, uh, but go ahead. Of, go ahead. As, as part of it. Well, so I feel... <laughs> I'm going to try to set this up in a way that I think ties us together because I feel like some of the the anger with the fish departure is as much about modern college football with the portal and unlimited transfers and NIL and the ability to pull that roster as much as just fish leaving. Like there's that emotional devastation and roster devastation that can happen in modern college football. But when you look at like what you just said with Brent Brennan and the higher, you know, and the way he was able to get some of these wins with retention, I guess, is is that retention as much uh, as as important as recruiting is? And like, is that where Brent Brennan already has proven that the modern college football recruiting is about retention as much as it is as it is about attracting initially? Yes, I think that's a resounding yes. And you know, if you remember um, when Ryan Day, Ohio State's coach, uh, made his first public discussion about NIL once it was legalized a few years ago. He made a comment to a business lunch or something in Ohio about how much money it was going to take to retain Ohio State's roster. And he said $13 million. I don't remember if you guys remember this, but that was a major viral moment as we were all familiarizing ourselves. And I think that that was a ver- the first time that it kind of hit me that even at places like Ohio State, who have really good players, might be poached by other places. So college football, fortunately or unfortunately, mirrors the food chain the way it does in in out in the wild. You have big-time programs with big-time expectations and big-time wallets. And, you know, we saw with Jordan Addison when he left Pitt for USC um, that players who go to smaller, for lack of a better term, schools um, who outperform what people expect from those schools I cannot imagine what, if T-Mac wanted to leave, like what would be waiting for him elsewhere. Like I'm sure there's a school in the SEC that would have paid that kid a lot, a lot, a lot of money to go there. So, you know, to me, the retention thing is is financial, sure, because at a certain point, and we talked about this with Jed Fish, you get paid a certain amount of money. There's a certain point you get to where there's no discussion to have anymore. It's just, you know, you're a person and you need the money. Um But being able to sell your place, your school, your opportunity while also getting the money together, because I'm sure Arizona did that. You know, I remember I was writing a story about the the Elijah rushing back when he had committed to Arizona. And I, I, people were telling me that the local businesses were going to make this happen for him. And, you know, I'm sure that things fell apart or whatever, but it does seem to me that Tucson is a place where you can make some good money if you're a standout star. So you have a coach that was able to sell Arizona and you have the money to make it at least competitive so that you don't lose a kid. And that to me strikes me as a very nice win, especially considering the fact they had a very easy out to just follow their coach to a bigger place. Um, so to answer your question longly, cause I'm, I'm long winded. 
absolutely is a resounding win. And I think roster retention, especially at a place like Arizona, might be even more important than recruiting wins because I personally don't think that the best way to do recruiting is the A&M way or the big time collective way. I wouldn't want to pay an unproven high schooler a million dollars to come to my school, but I'd want to pay a million dollars to a kid who's going to be finishing in the Bolitnikoff finals. I want to pay, pay a kid like that, the money that, you know, so if Arizona can figure out a way to pay those guys what they're worth once they prove they're worth it, while also becoming a marketable place for three to four star developmental prospects and maybe hitting a home run with a five star or a top 50 player every now and then. Um, I think that that is a really good formula because you can get a lot of really good players, even from lower levels in Arizona that can come up and outperform what people think. I mean, Jacob Cowing comes to mind. Like there's all sorts of players like that, where if you have a right coach that retains his roster recruits well, and then is supplementally able to fill in some holes on that roster with players that are scouted properly, you put yourself in a position to be in a really good spot. So I, I think that Arizona, you know, at, there were times last week where I was like, it's just hopeless to be an Arizona fan because even if you build something, somebody else will just pay for it. And now paying for it isn't just taking your coach. It means taking your players. So based on the what my initial gut reaction was to that fish leaving announcement to where we are today, I think is a resounding success. And you can kind of feel that amongst followers in the program. You know, to kind of piggyback off of that, though, like I like Brent Brown. I think he's done a solid job. The retention is a big part of it. But, of course, Noah Fafita is a unique player, it seems like. Sure, right? Just in terms sure. Of, like, he could have left that. Or, I think the story on 247 about him and T-Mex staying was like Alabama won them. And who knows what they were offering besides starting spots at Alabama. But if you keep Fafita, you keep T-Mex, you keep those guys, you keep other players. Is this sustainable for Brent Brennan? Like, is there any talk about how Brent Brennan is? Because he did a good job at San Jose State. found some good players who are now in the portal. Maybe some will end up at Arizona. But he's still going to have to recruit, right? He's not, a yeah. big, he's not necessarily the biggest name. He's not doesn't have the NFL background that Jed Fish could bring to the table when he was hired. Doesn't have big school, big-time experience. He was in California, has connections there. I know brought Alonzo Carter over. Supposed to be a pretty good recruiter as the running backs coach. But... Mm-hmm. You know, it's Noah Fafita is unique. T-Mac is unique. At some point, those guys are gone probably after next season for T-Mac's sake. Like, what is Brent Brennan in terms of a recruiter? What's his reputation nationally? Is he someone who can? I mean, I don't expect him to be getting four and five stars all the time, but is he the type of person from what you know or have you heard anything about him or is maybe you haven't heard much about him as kind of a sign of who he is or how he is on the trail? Yeah, well, the thing that's tough is that when you work at a group of five school, you're recruiting a lot of players that aren't even recruitable, like profile kids. So it's really hard to gauge like what were his recruiting wins because they're not going after the players that we write about or care about. So when you are a group of five coach, if you put together a team that wins the conference, then that means you've already proven that you have a good enough evaluation eye, which is going to be an important piece of the puzzle in Arizona. But let me back this up a little bit. And let me ask you guys something, because I don't remember this. But when Jed Fish got hired, wasn't that like a flop in some people's minds? Like, yes. Weren't people like upset about mm-hmm. that? Yeah, they're like the quarterback so, like, coach who's been 15 different places in like 14 yes. years. Like, what are they doing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like sometimes I feel like embodying that type of persona the way that he did is more important than how good of a coach you are. Like if you're able to speak the language and make Tucson seem cool and post pictures of your backyard pool and say, people come to retire here and like prop up Tucson, the way that people who have been to Tucson know it is it's a great place. And honestly speaking, like having gone to school there, 
Like I'm, I see like, Oh, three-star kid from Hawaii commits to Nebraska. And it's like, why would you, or would you, I mean, I know Nebraska has got a very rabid fan base and a big stadium, but like, where would you rather live Lincoln or, <laughs> or Tucson? Um, I had a great college experience there. I think that there is a marketability about Tucson and Arizona, the beauty of it, the party school aspect of it, you know, though that might retract, not the right, right type of guy, but you know, the just walk, take a kid on an official visit from university on a November night when the pink sky comes out and walk him from university through campus to the stadium. It's a hell of a sales pitch to me. I've been to a lot of games at a lot of places. And let me tell you, East Lansing ain't pretty. You know, they, they figure it out. So I, I don't know if I could answer your question of like, yeah, this guy's a hell of a recruiter. Um, but what I can say is, is that if he buys into the place and pours himself into it and shows and showcases what Arizona is all about, then I think that there is a, a much easier pitch there than people give it credit for. And I think recruiting um, strategy is a really interesting piece. I asked Jed about this a few years ago and I was on the phone with him. And asked him if he was going to dip into the Midwest in the winter and, and do different things. And, you know, I know that California and Texas and Arizona are going to be the main pieces always there. But there is some opportunity, I think, nationally, too. Um, if you're a three-star kid who's got a pit, you've got pit, a pit offer, uh, you know, and a few other lower-tier Big Ten offers and an Arizona offer. Like, I think going to Arizona could be a real, real thing for those kids. So, um, I am always... I was in like doomsday scenario of like, why does Arizona even bother last week to like back on like, holy crap, this went really well for them. Let's see if they can build off that. And there's a lot of really exciting things um, to, to think about. So um, I would be certainly encouraged if I were an Arizona fan, you know, going into this off season and the hope you have to have is that they do some damage in the portal. They have a good spring and, you know, they get to signing some really good players. It sounds to you, as we're about wrapping up here with Ari Wasserman of The Athletic, it sounds like the Arizona brand, while changing now from Jed Fish to Brent Brennan, but the brand maybe has been resuscitated to a point where, you know, the things that you're talking about, like the weather, the campus and all that, that can go along with part of the pitch now as opposed to sounds just like, oh, U of A, why would you get it? It's like, no, U of A is a place you can go to and win. That's something that Jed Fish did, right? So it seems like they are in a better place for Brent Brennan. And they were fun. Up. Yeah. That's the thing, like, Dude, everybody always used to talk about Pac-12 after dark and how awesome those games were. How many awesome, like that Arizona-USC game, though it didn't go the way that Arizona hoped it would at the end, was probably one of the best games of the entire year. Like, it was fun to watch them, and I think that that is part of the embodiment of it. Like, I think they have to be the fun place to be. Throw the ball around, have a good time. Zona Zoo's wild, it's beautiful, and they win, and they play in exciting games that are on TV. And I think that the Big 12... Uh, and Brett Yormark are going to try to make that conference like the fun conference that everybody wants to watch because the football is going to be great. And if Arizona goes into that conference and plays well and is fun to watch, then I think it will be a very influential pitch. I really do. It's always not lost. Arizona Wildcats football. There's a future. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people a week ago weren't sure about. It seems like there's no reason for things to have to fall apart. It seemed like they might have, but it sounds like they don't have to. And right now it doesn't look like they will. And that's that's something to be happy with. That's something to be excited and I, about. And I, I think one last thing I'll say is if you hate Jed Fish right now or you resent him, I get it. You're a fan. You don't have to love the guy. I think he absolutely made Arizona a better place in a short time there. And if they are able to build off this with Brennan and win a Big 12 championship or even make the playoff next year, like, I hope that the resentment changes to appreciation because, listen, you know, three or four years ago when Pat, or, uh, sorry, Kevin Sumlin was there 
I wrote a pretty scathing column about the lack of effort in general. Mm-hmm. I remember he that. He wasn't recruiting South South Point. He wasn't trying. Uh, it seemed like he was just trying to collect checks on the downturn of his career. Maybe that's an unfair statement, but the effort wasn't there. So the one thing that I always try to do, and I think we all should try to do, is when you have an employer, you work as hard as you possibly can for that employer until they're no longer your employer. And when you leave or if you leave, you know, that's life, that's America, that's capitalism. But I think that he undoubtedly worked as hard as he possibly could have while he was at U of A. And I think there is at least a sliver of appreciation from my standpoint that they we're talking about him now. We're talking about him on national podcasts. They were fun to watch. They have good players. And the reason for that is him. And I hope that that's not lost in the anger. I can agree to that. I think that's fair. And especially if Arizona's good again this season, then Jed Fish did all you could have asked of him. He built Arizona into a winning yeah. program that hopefully he can sustain without him because he was never going to be around long term. So whether he left this year I mean, you look at his resume, you should have known. Like, I mean, the, the guy has moved quite a bit. And listen, I'm just speculating here, but, you know, if Washington has a pretty good year this year and Billy Napier gets fired, he could be gone again. I like, know Michigan might open up in a couple of days. Yeah, so you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'd go that far, but, uh, you know, he's a good coach and he seems to understand. And the thing that I, I respect about him is that he, for all the stops that he had, he did have a lot of experience working under first year coaches at the new place. And I think that was a really nice benefit for Arizona to have a guy that understood how to build from the beginning. And they're not starting at the beginning now. So the hope has to be that Brennan picks up from where they left off, um, learned a lot from what, you know, Jed Fish did uses the players that Jed brought into the program to win more and then makes this a pattern rather than a blip on the radar. Sounds good. That's Ari Wasserman. He's a national college football reporter for The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at Ari Wasserman. Great content always. More U of A than it used to be because that's what yeah, Fish has done. There. So we appreciate that. Ari, we thank you for coming on Wildcat Radio 2.0 this weekend. We'll have to catch up with you again down the road sometime soon. Yeah, anytime, guys. Thanks so much for supporting my work and having me on. It means a lot to me, and I wish you both all the best. Sounds good. That's Ari Wasserman. When we come back, we'll talk some basketball. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0, and thanks again to Ari Wasserman from The Athletic. Love hearing from him because he's an Arizona guy, but he gives you a real national perspective because he covers recruiting nationally, so he knows what's going on. And I guess it's probably a little comforting to hear from him that Arizona football could, at this point, be a little bit bigger than Jed Fish that the blueprint is there, and with as many guys who are coming back, that there is a belief that Arizona can continue forward, that it's not going to be just a downward spiral in 2024. Yeah, and I really appreciate his perspective, though I kind of wonder if, like, as an Arizona guy inherently, if he feels like a a football hipster where he was like, well, I was into Arizona football before the national media was, and now it's just (laughs) weird that everybody else is paying attention to it. Well, now he actually can pay attention to them for his job. Uh, yeah. Five years ago, nope. I mean, he wrote the thing he mentioned about how Kevin Sumlin was just destroying the program for not even trying to recruit. And, you know, now he can write about Arizona, talk about him on his podcast. And it's not because he's being an alum or a homer. It's because, like, they're relevant. And I think that's one thing that maybe has gotten lost in Jed Fish leaving is that he did make Arizona football relevant. What that means for the program in the Brent Brennan era, we'll find out. But certainly the Arizona, the block a, the colors, just, they were on TV a lot. People watching, they were talked about, they were on, you know, highlights everywhere. And a lot of the guys who made those highlights are coming back. You know, the Fafita to team that's going to mean Fafita's. I think I saw him on the early Heisman list, like 20 to one for the Heisman next season. Like 
there's not going to be a Sports Illustrated card that says hand him the Heisman, but there's you know there's still a belief in Arizona going into next season, and that that cannot be discounted. Well, no, no, Fafita did not come here to run the triple option, so I'm <laughs> confident he's going to put up some numbers next year. As long, you know, presuming things, everybody stays healthy. The the line sure. has mostly returned. You know, there's some young talent there to develop, and most most of the receiving room is back, right? Um, that was expected back, and you know, it's it's something where it's it's just been a roller coaster, I think, for Arizona fans, and there was a lot of catharsis, and then there's you know. It's, it's it's we're very high drama right now adam which probably keeps us relevant whether we want to be or oh, not nationally there's good news there's bad news there's this back and forth it's a roller coaster right now yeah and the you know i think the right thing is to take that half step back and get perspective of like hey you know what we are in a materially different spot than we were three years ago we might not be where we thought we were going to be three weeks ago but we're still in a pretty good spot yeah <sighs> let's talk some basketball Oh, right. It's basketball season. <laughs> it's, Arizona's number nine in the country again. Let's talk some men's basketball. <laughs> like, I feel like a few weeks ago, I'm like, yeah, we're going to start talking basketball. Like, it's going to happen. That's going to be our main focus. And we do plan on talking a lot of basketball if football gives us a break. <laughs> that would be nice. I mean, I love football. But so men's basketball, of course, they hosted the L.A. schools. Beat USC 82-67. It wasn't necessarily a well-played game. I know Tommy Lloyd afterwards was like, we got to play better. They, he wasn't happy with how they played. They still won by 15. Then came the UCLA game. UCLA has not been good this season. They're coming off a close win at ASU. And Arizona was getting their asses kicked. They were only down by 9 at halftime, but they got down by as much as 19 in this game. Came back and won 77-71. And, like, it wasn't two top 10 teams playing. It wasn't even two top 25 teams playing. Arizona had to rally to beat a very mediocre at best UCLA team, but it's still UCLA. And it's never not fun to watch Mick Cronin lose his crap and the game as well. Yeah. But also I don't like Mick taking a shot at our guy, Justin in the post game interview. If you saw that story, I, I did that was, see that. And which I mean, was just bizarre. Mick Cronin <laughs> is, He's something. I know it's a podcast. We can say whatever we want. I think we have the explicit label, but I don't want to go there. But Mick, he's he's a piece of work. He's a piece of something, Adam. <laughs> um, no, and when you said that, you know, Arizona was down by 19 in the first half and got it down to nine at half. I actually think the more concerning slash impressive thing was they got back down by like 15 or 17 again in the second half uh, for for turning it on. Right? Um, there was there's a there was there was that, that atmosphere was electric because there was all the football announcements. Uh, maybe that energy translated in a weird way to the players because it's just like it, it, there's a lot going on. Um, but man, like in the first in the first half, Arizona's defensive rotations on the perimeter were atrocious. I do not understand why, you know, the, the commentators were talking about it with the doubling off the passer that was leading to open shots. And it's like, you know, UCLA is not a good shooting team. Uh, but they were in the first them, half of that game. They, yeah, well, and it helps when they're literally, you know, got nobody within seven feet of them and they're catching the, you know, spot of shooting in rhythm. And I just didn't understand it from like, Umar Balo should be able to contain a Dem Bona one on one in the post. And like, Bona made some hella good, tough shots when UCLA was playing well, mm -hmm. when Balo actually played good defense. And it's like, that's one of those things, like, I'd rather make their best guy make those kind of crazy shots than give them 
you know, 709 shooting on nobody within eight feet threes uh, and make their bad shooters hit those shots um, or at least be contested. It was it was a weird kind of game in the first half. Um, you know, Sebastian Mack just like was just one on one bully ball, kind of like a, a less skilled Caleb Love offense in Arizona. Bit, yeah, but he's he's just like a more of a you know bulldog rather than Caleb Love is more of an artist when he's trying to get you know score it feels like to me um it was a weird game in that sense uh but you know Arizona KJ Lewis had an awesome game Tella Larson was great Umar Balo made his free throws which is a big difference you know and that, like I said I've, I've been critical of his defense like his man his man-on-man defense against Bona was good even when he got scored on so I take that as a positive sign you know the guard play being so inconsistent especially on defense is very concerning, you know, 27 minutes for Kylan Boswell and hits one, three, granted it was a big one. And that was his only points. It's a weird, is a weird thing. Um, yeah, it was kind of a weird get Kasha Johnson didn't have a great game, but Ella Larson was the barometer again. And in, in the game didn't play great. Obviously it's hard to play great when you get down by as much as they did at times in the game, but they, they found a way to win. And some of that was UCLA coming back to earth in the second half. I know if you let Mick Crone, he thinks it was because of the fouls. And I always, it's, Whenever people talk about the fouls, they always got free throw disparity. And like the ref's job is not to call even amount of free throws. The mm-hmm. ref's job is to call the fouls that are there. Now, do they not call certain fouls that exist? Yes. Do they call fouls that didn't exist? Yes. I remember there was one, I think you said, I forget which player had an and one, and he didn't get touched. I think it might have been Stefanovic or something. Like, took a shot, like, got in the lane, took a shot. I think Caleb Love was behind him, didn't touch mm-hmm. him, and they called an and one. I don't think Mick was complaining about that. So, do I look back at that game and say Arizona got the better of the officiating? Probably did. Like, in a home environment, especially as a comeback happens, just the 50-50s, like every charge block seemed to go Arizona's way as I was watching down the stretch. Does that mean it was poorly officiated? No. It was just officiated. Like, it wasn't so egregious either way, I think, that Arizona got calls that they didn't deserve to get. I mean, either way, for Arizona to battle back, if you want to feel good, they battled back. You know, they didn't quit. They were at home. They got whatever they needed, and they won the game. It's It's one thing to make that comeback. It's hard to come back from that much in a game and still win, and they did. Like that says something, right? You have to, you can't be a bad team and come back like that, but a truly good team probably never has to. And that's where after this weekend, I know Arizona hasn't been playing great basketball of late. You know, they lost to Washington State. That was kind of ugly. Yeah, they played okay against. I mean, they ended up sweeping the LA schools at home. That was nice. But do you feel better about them? Do you feel worse about them? I feel this is the question we're asking every week now, depending on their results. But like, I still believe in them, but. Because you know, winning is all that matters, but it'd be nice to see them start winning pretty again. You know, Winning as a team that is clearly better than the opponent is clearly one of the top ten in the nation, and they don't play in a vacuum. Everybody's losing games. There's a reason why Arizona's at number nine again. But, yeah, I don't know if that was a... We mentioned like cathartic for the Arizona football guys announcing their return. I don't know if the L.A. home sweep was cathartic for Arizona basketball fans. Yeah, you know, do I feel better? Do I feel worse about them? I think I just feel about them. <laughs> at least you still feel. That's something. Like, um, and it, again, you, I was just looking at the stats. You know, it's a weird thing about that game, Adam. Also, Arizona shot an atrocious six of twenty-six from three, and I, as I recall, it, they weren't taking bad threes oh, necessarily. They, they just weren't making them. And then, you know, fun trivia: uh, UCLA took twenty-six threes as well. Do you know how many more they made than Arizona? Wasn't it like the same amount? more so yeah. they they basically missed all of their ones in the second half and 
you know, one final point for the fouls thing. There's one foul that dictated that game's outcome and the momentum more than any, and that was McCrona's technical foul that he swore he didn't swear at the official. That was an important thing in that moment. <laughs> um, so I, I'm a mixed feeling about it because I'm concerned, like the inconsistency from the guard play is officially a thing, especially on the defensive end. So that is has increased my concern. But also, and it's still too soon to say this with any certainty, but it was talked about after the game, Umar Balo was, what, 7 of 8 or something on free throws, and he changed his shooting motion, and he ascribed it to that. That might be a repeatable thing that maybe doesn't make him hit 7 of 8, but if he hits 5 or 6 out of 8 instead of 3 out of 8, that's a... that's a We'll see. I hope it's that simple. That's a big simple. thing in the... I mean, I, I think from what they were saying, it's like whether he breaks his shot motion into two moves versus one. I actually believe that that is a repeatable thing, and I know I, I know what he's talking about. I hope it is. I'll always go back to, and this is a little inside, like no, like something that happened for me in own personal experience a long time ago. I worked for the Phoenix Suns in their basketball communications. This was the 2006-2007 season. James Jones, another GM, his first season with the Suns, and that was when the NBA was going to the trip, like they changed the basketball. Or in the season, like the oh, synthetic ball. Yes. And players like, I don't like this or whatever. Then they changed it back. Then James Jones went off and made like five of seven threes or something like that. And he's like, yeah, well, like they changed the ball back. It's like, yeah, he never had another performance like that the rest of the season. <laughs> he's, 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 yeah, well, they well, changed the ball. So this is who I'm like, no, no. But the things that Balo did, if it's mechanical in theory, that should be repeatable. I want to see it because if he is becomes a respectable free throw shooter, this team's ceiling does get higher because you can't play a hack of Ballo because he's a really good low post scorer. I mean, he misses more early close ones than he should, but one of the strategies is to let him go two for nine from the free throw line. If he's not doing mm-hmm. that, that's going to be five, six points a game that Arizona has that they didn't before. Well, and so I say this is somebody that has a tendency to have a hitch in his shot, including on free throws, and then getting in your own head when you have a hitch in your shot, it creates more opportunity for error. Sure. Rather than rather than a single motion that's it becomes more trainable and there's less steps for lack of a better term. Okay. Um so I'm actually cautiously optimistic that they might have found something there. Now I do not expect him to suddenly be an eighty plus percent free throw shooter, but if he is seventy to seventy five percent, that shifts some games, especially close games, mm-hmm. right? Um and that we'll 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 see how it plays out, but I if you know, that has such a impact not just on the points of more made free throws but on one-on-ones where he hits the front end a bit more often and changing the opposing team's you know hack a ballo strategy How they defend arizona is a lot it, different if ballo is not a liability at the free throw line like it it shifts a lot of things in a direction that is better for arizona that could be the difference between you know winning and losing some of these games that you shouldn't have like you know a washington state like that might be the dip like that little subtle difference is the difference in a win versus loss there right and as we get down the stretch that might play out mm-hmm. but you know highland boswell might be the highest highest variance college elite college basketball player in ncaa so it's not quite the kirk Risa experience but in terms of like not the same way but certainly he is in a rough patch and it feels like if they can get him back to close to what he wants to start the season, they'll be a really good team again. Like Jaden Bradley's doing well off the bench, but like you need Colin Boswell, like at his best, right? Like to reach your ceiling and your potential, you need Colin Boswell to be good. I don't even know if you need him as best. You need him to not be at his worst. Okay, right? You know, in the Duke game, he might have been the best player on the court that night, mm-hmm. and that you know, if he's playing that way, and you're getting, you know, 
middle of the road performance from everybody else, there's enough talent on this team. That team's really tough to beat, right? Uh, the challenge is, I feel like between Kylan Boswell and Pella Larson, you have two high variable players. Um, and I think Pella Larson fills a broader spectrum of needs based on his position in the roster and not having a, you know, a Jaden Bradley or a Caleb Love that can kind of offset Kylan Boswell if he needs to go to the bench for a little while. Um, but yeah, it's, they gotta, they gotta figure They gotta figure that out. They gotta figure out their, you know, I don't know what their strategy is on the defensive perimeter, but they got to figure out something that works there. You know, they were going under screens. They were doing the doubles unnecessarily. It just didn't make sense to me. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out what's, what's going on in Tommy Lloyd's head. Uh, but clearly teams have figured something out and they're scheming against it. And it's on the coaching staff to make the adjustments. And I'm not on the, you know, the boards and Twitter that hates on everything Tommy Lloyd does and thinks he's a terrible coach. They're stupid. Those are stupid opinions. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. No, you're not but, wrong. But also, like, you can, it's not to say you can't critique or wonder, uh, you know, under, trying to understand how he's making adjustments and whether he's making them quick enough, right? That's a fair criticism in my mind. Well, the good news oh. is it's still January, so there's time to make those adjustments. There's time to fix Umar Balo's free throws if they're fixable. There's time to figure out rotations, to figure the counter-scheming. And, like, I, I'll always go back to, and until Arizona's eliminated in March Madness, go back to they have the talent to do what they need to. Like, talent is not the issue. I strongly believe that still, even with their little sputtering. It's like they sputter winning three out of four, four out of five games. That's them sputtering right now. Yeah. And, how many How many top ten teams also lost uh, lost this past weekend? Yeah, yeah. So it's we got to remember Arizona does not play in a vacuum. It's hard to win in conference, even against mediocre teams, especially hard on the road. And that's, I think, the big thing. Like, Arizona coming back to beat UCLA was at home. Like, you have to win your home games. You're Arizona. You do not lose at McHale. It's just that simple. Really quickly, women's basketball team, Adia Barnes' team, oy, they've had some close losses, some real tough losses over the last couple of weeks. You know, Oregon State, they lost by three. Oregon on the road, they lost by two. At Washington, they lost by two. Then they got blown up by Washington State. They're playing a smaller rotation. <sighs> Not going the way we thought it would this season. They're 10-9 and nine right now. Um, yeah, they've lost some players to like in-season retirement. The transfers that they've suffered the last year or two seem to have caught up with them. There's a lot of former Arizona players doing well in other schools. You know, it's not the year I think that anyone expected out of Adia Barnes' team. It's certainly a, a, it's certainly a year that's going to give people some questions about how she's doing and the job she's doing. But there's still time, I think, to turn around. The team has still been playing hard, it looks like. Yeah, and it's, I mean, the, the Pac-12 is in its swan song full of really good women's basketball teams. So we kind of knew that that was going to be a, a bit of a gauntlet. I, I do think there might be a little bit of the, you know, uh, Adia Barnes had a little bit of a Ryan McDonough for the Suns 10 years ago, where he's just like, I'm going to accumulate assets, man. And like, at some point it'll be worth something. And it didn't work out that well for McDonough. And it's, it seems like, you know, there's, it, it, there's reasonable questions to be had for how you build the roster and how you manage the roster when you have this much talent that I think Adia Barnes is still figuring out. Um, you know, it's it's tough to see them lose the close games, and you just, it, I think to your point, though, they're still playing hard, and it doesn't seem like she's lost the team. Um, she's now, lost if she players, loses... but she hasn't lost the team. Yeah. Does that make sense? And that's, yeah. And yeah, that's and that's, the issue. and that's, is, once she, I'll panic when she lo- seems to have lost the team, right? And until yeah. then, it, I, 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 I think she has earned the benefit of the doubt to figure it out and to tend to work through it. Um, 
but it's just it's a it's a weird wonky season so far. It is. It is. Of course, their wonky season may be overshadowed by the last thing we're going to talk about here. Dave Hickey, Arizona's, I guess, I mean, his vice, vice president of athletics, but the athletic director for all intents and purposes. Turns out he will not be coming back. I guess his contract ends on February 1st or something like that. And they're just not, re- I mean, is that what it is? Like, he's not, is he being fired? Are they just not renewing his contract? They're just going their separate ways. Either way, I guess, whatever you, however you want to frame it, Dave Hickey will no longer be the athletic director come the next month. Yeah, because we can't go two days without being a national story, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> is it a national story? Like, I, you know, I saw the news, and like, you texted me like, whoa, Hiki out, I think, or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, that was my first reaction, too. But when I look back, and there's a lot of stuff around Arizona just in general, right, with Robert Robbins, the, the miscalculation, the $240 million, just all the, co- the cuts they're doing, yada, yada. And I'm sure this is part of it. But if you just look at, if you're just looking at how Dave Hickey did at his job, if you take the other things out of it and just be like, how was he doing as athletic director for seven years? At best, it was a C. I mean, it wasn't like he was doing a great job. And there's certain things like fundraising and donors and projects with the stadium and all that. But if you just look at the coaching hires, very mixed bag in terms of like people who were hired under his, you know, stewardship or under his tenure. Like I, the move was a surprise because it's like you're always surprised when the athletic director is going to be gone but it wasn't total surprise that dave hickey is no longer going to be athletic director i think is is that make any sense because that's kind of how i feel about this yeah and i mean there's kind of consistently been for lack of a better term the palace in, intrigue between him and robbins especially when it comes to the big hires and who's really pulling the strings and who's doing the fundraising and who's like make you sure. know making the choices and then you know I feel like Arizona has let the financial story dry. Like they've 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 fallen behind the narrative on that, um, and Robbins has kind of addressed it with a quote unquote plan. That's like, hey, raise revenue and cut expenses, right? <laughs> Brilliant. If only it was so easy. Um, and like, I don't think we on the outside know really what that true shortfall is versus what the narrative is and what was reported. And I'm sure it's more nuanced than that. Um, I would not be surprised. And there's some reporting from, I think like uh, Jason Shear and others that like there's an audit going on and it's not going to make the athletic department financially look great in terms of just controls and checks and balances. And like, okay, that's a real reason to, to, you know, to, to let somebody go to answer your question. Like, is he even great? No, has he been the worst? No, I think he's, I think he's what he is. He's like a likable guy that came from Central Michigan University that was like a mid-major type AD trying to take the next step, and it didn't work out the way that you wanted. It, to. He was no Greg it, Byrne, for example, and Byrne left. But there's a lot of stuff that went wrong. But like his hires ended up being pretty good, it seemed like, and you know, just, yeah, I mean, it was a different Greg, vibe. Greg Byrne. Gives me the vibe of for better or worse, or or maybe more accurately for better and worse, of trying to elevate the program athletically with, with the big boys, with all of the pluses and minuses that, and the the great things and the disgusting things that come with it. And Dave Hickey feels like an old guard kind of nice guy trying to, you know, hey, here's how I go about my day to day, and like. It's it's you, you get what I'm trying to say where it's like I, do. I don't like just his personality I, his style 
And it wasn't necessarily bad. He didn't, you know, I guess we'll see what the audit says. Whatever comes out of that, what went wrong. And again, there's always a question of how much is him, how much is Robbins, and where did their paths, did they work well together? Were they in conflict with each other? You know, who made the decisions? And obviously there's some narrative that Robbins has been making the decisions on hires, and God, I hope not. But if he was, and which ones were his? I mean, does he get credit for Fish, or does does Hickey, who gets blamed for Sumlin? I guess like the blame and the credit seems to get assigned to each of them, depending on who you like more. But either way, the athletic department under Dave Hickey, if they've been hemorrhaging money and mismanaging finances, that falls under his umbrella, right? He's in charge of all that. Coaching hires, some seem to have worked out okay. Like Tommy Lloyd was a good hire, whether that was Robbins or Hickey. I'm going to give it to Hickey because he was a, the athletic director. Jed Fish was you know hired under Hickey, obviously athletic director, but so was Kevin Sumlin, right? And so was the loss of Jed Fish, and I don't blame Arizona for losing him. I think he was gone either way. And then some of like the smaller sports too, like with soccer and baseball, softball. Those hires have been, you know, not great to average. It seems like up to this point. So if you're just looking at job performance you can make a case that it was time to move on from Dave Hickey, that he had maxed out what he was capable of. Like you're saying, like his style of athletic director maybe isn't the right fit to get Arizona, you know, as it moves into the big 12 and tries to reach that next level in today's college athletics landscape. But did he ruin the program? Did he leave Arizona? I guess we'll see what the audit says in terms of the finances, but at least from what we can see at this moment as we record on January 23rd, it's not like he tore the athletic department down. He didn't ruin things. He didn't bury Arizona into a situation. Like, they're not really scandalous. You know, scandals under his watch, if I recall. So, you know, it's it's a move that gets made. You know, you'd rather your, I mean, you'd rather your guy get poached again, like with Greg Byrne and end up leaving for Alabama. I guess that feels better. Mm-hmm. But either way, Arizona will find an athletic director who will hopefully come in and do some really good things because, I mean, sports-wise, team-wise, program-wise, they're not in bad spots. If you give Hiki credit for that, you're welcome to. But football seems to be in a pretty good spot. Basketball has good coaches, men's and women's, right? Like it's, it could be worse, but the hope is that it will get better. Yeah, I, I can't help but wonder if there's like, kind of like, the Jed Fish and Brett, Brent Brennan Arizona football start. You know, Jed Fish had the program having something resembling an identity by the end. Yeah, and I think Brent Brennan will bring an identity as well. It might more reflect him. You know, I don't know if the Dave Hickey regime had an identity as an athletic department. I'm curious to know if the next hire sets the tone in that identity for what Arizona athletics aspires to be. Um, and, and you know, that's read into that what you will. Um, and I'm not even necessarily saying that one is better than the other in the age of modern college sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Certainly. <sighs> Never a dull moment. <laughs> Brent, did we miss anything? Carter Bryant, name an All-American. McDonald's I was, was going to say, that was, that was something I was going to say we should, we should have mentioned. Uh, I'm sure we are forgetting like for what would be normally notable stories that we're just blanking and by on the time right now. you listen to this show we appreciate y'all listening of course by the time you listen to this who knows what has happened since like <laughs> oh you know what we did for i didn't mention adam uh, a, 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 allegedly tommy lloyd had agreed to a contract extension that was going to get executed now they pushed it off with the hickey firing <laughs> it's never a dull moment man <laughs> this isn't even our job we do this for fun 
<laughs> like I can only imagine like people like Ari Wasserman he covers nationally, but for like Justin Spears, Michael Lev, some of our favorites, Brian Peterson, Asia Song, people who, like do this on like a full time basis. I really wonder what it's like for them. <laughs> like this has got to be unprecedented in terms of just the rapid fire nature of just everything. And like yeah, this is we... during basketball season. That's yeah. the thing. Like think of Justin and he does like his radio show too, Spears and Ali. Like this is bas- usually it's January. You talk basketball at Arizona and football is happening but that doesn't mean basketball isn't <laughs> yeah no I, I messaged our friend of the pod love i was like do you guys ever get a break and he gave a uh a, an acronym that would include words that we're not supposed to share on even with the explicit rating or, or try to avoid an explicit rating <laughs> um oh yeah another thing that we probably should Damn mention it, well christian coloco has a the you know got released and has the the uh career threatening like you know a blood clot is like a serious like thing if it's career threatening yes. that can be that means it's like life threatening guys well, um, hopefully and I, I just want that that's you know they catch these things like whatever it is they can manage it but yeah that's unfortunate because I really like Coloco at Arizona and hoped he would have a nice long NBA career and it's a shame that it would be cut short because of things that are beyond his control. And it seemed, it, you know, it seems like it's he's been getting, you know, a bit more appearance and developing well. It's just, I want to, I guess I just wanted to mention that because I want to put some positive vibes out to Christian Coloco and hope he, gets, hope he the recovers. The six-star recruit in college basketball mm-hmm. history. Like, wishing nothing but the best for him. Exactly. Okay. And on that happy note. Sorry to, sorry to bring us bring us down, but um, we, need, sh- we need something really quick, Brett. Like we're running on like a two hour show probably, but we need something else. <laughs> um, uh, Arizona sleeper agent Antonio Pierce rides the bringing Arizona there State you go. down. A into... Former Wildcats gonna be a head coach in the NFL. There so that, that there you go, like a full time head coach for the Raiders. So congrats to AP. Who... Mission accomplished to ASU and mission accomplished now in the NFL. So for congrats him. to him on that. I mean, if that's the best we can finish with it, we're going to go with it because we need to stop this show. <laughs> but thanks again to Ari Wasserman of The Athletic for giving us in- insight into Arizona and the perception of nationally. Of course, you can find Ari Wasserman on Twitter at Ari Wasserman and just read his stuff on The Athletic. Um, he does a really, really good job covering all of college football, especially the recruiting space. Um, we appreciate all you guys listening. Of course, you can find us on the social media, on the Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. At Wildcat Radio AZ, by the way, use that on your home field order. Your first one, you'll get 15% off of that first order. And we're going to share a link to that we have that you can use for your home field orders. We'll send that from the Wildcat Radio AZ Twitter account. But I know we got some shirts coming. I got a hat that's awesome from them. Like, their stuff is just, it's great. So if you're an Arizona fan who's listening to this and you don't have home field apparel, at like Wildcat Radio AZ is your promo code. Use that on your first order. Save some money and get some really cool stuff. And that new Arizona drop has some pretty sweet things. And even the older drops, if you haven't, if you missed them, like they have, there's a lot of really good stuff there. Their shirts are soft. The hat is just gorgeous. They have a nice retro feel, and you're gonna get there. Like the shirts that they have are stuff that you wouldn't find anyone else making because it's this home field. Just they're the good brand for a reason. Yeah, you know, you know, it's fun, Adam. Uh, since I've been in the Northwest, I finally wore my quarter zip from home field field of the Arizona quarter zip that I've had for like a year, but never wore in Arizona. I look pretty good in it, not going to lie. There you go. So you could be like Brett if you live in a place where it rains all the time. And it's cold. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Home Field, Wildcat Radio AZ is your promo code. That's for 15% off your first order. 
It's also our Twitter handle at Wildcat Radio AZ. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify if you're on. Well, subscribe to us on both of them. But if you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. We would read that review on the air. Brett, I'm hoping there isn't a new review this week because I'm tired and we need to end the show. There are none. Terrific. But next week, everyone, because I'm assuming we won't have anything to talk about because of the way things go, please leave us a review so we can read it on the air. <laughs> but anyway, Arizona men's basketball playing the so the Oregon schools this weekend at Oregon State at Oregon. So we'll see what they do there. Um, the women are home against Cal and Stanford. That'll be fun, especially Stanford. That's always a that's always a big game. Anyway, I always say, like, well, whatever happens, we'll talk about it next week. But I don't want to. Like, nothing else, please. Like, you know, assistant coach hires for football would be great. And more guys coming back, maybe a couple portal additions. You good, know, good news, be, good news know, only, please. Please, let's make it a good news only show next week. But I guess good news, bad news, whatever the news is, we will get to it next week. And until then, thank you for listening. Remember to bear down. Bear down. <laughs>